Welcome to the Culture Classroom, a podcast for teachers and coaches by teachers and coaches. Listen to top leaders, innovators, and influencers share their stories about how intentional culture elevates performance. Now, here are your hosts, John Weaver and John Torrey. Let's get better together. Coaches, does it feel like sometimes all you're doing is copying, pasting, nudging, rearranging, and redrawing your playbooks? Get your time back. Designed by a current NFL coach with the same pain points you have, Pro Quick Draw is an incredibly powerful plugin to improve the playbook software you've already got on your computer, Microsoft PowerPoint. We've created buttons, tools, and shortcuts to save you time, keep you organized, and give your playbook presentations, scout cards, and practice scripts a professional look, and created in half the time. We've got over 25 NFL teams using PQD, and we're giving you a chance to use it too with our new affordable price for high school coaches. Try us for 30 days with no strings attached. You'll get a one-on-one video call with a football coach who speaks your language. Plus, you get to keep everything you make during your trial. Visit www.proquickdraw.com to get an impressive 2022 playbook started. Coach Weaver, we're back in the classroom. It's almost Christmas. We've got some time off. I mean, we're still in school. There's a whiteboard behind me. Our listeners can't see it, but I've still got on the necktie for a couple more days. I know you get to live the life, you know, in a parochial school. Like, you don't have all the, the issues that we do here in public public school, but uh, it's great to have some time coming up off. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm enjoying, and I put that in air quotes, uh, for those coaches that have time with their kids and uh, their wife is working and you get this time off, uh, I sometimes question, is it time off or am I still working? So I am, you have the whiteboard and the necktie. I'm in a hoodie and uh, in the bedroom, just kind of relaxing. And uh, man, I hadn't even shaved uh, in probably uh, five days. So not really worried about it right now, but Christmas is coming up. I'm excited about it. Uh, I know our listeners are excited about Christmas. There's a lot of things that surround Christmas, especially the the joy on Christmas morning that only comes one time a year. That that kind of joy from Santa coming only happens once. Uh, so it's really cool to see that happening. But uh, I'm really interested about today's podcast. Um, you got a lot of traction on a tweet that we'll get into. Uh, a lot of interaction from former players from this coach that you posted about. Uh, so I am excited about today, and I know our listeners will be too. No, I, I think it's great. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting because we're in our third year almost to doing this. And it's crazy to see our evolution, not just in the classroom, not just with the podcast, uh, but really the evolution that's happening between us, inside of us. And that's what this time of year is about for a lot of us, I feel like. We're thinking about next year. We're thinking about ways we can grow, ways we can improve, ways we can deliver plus one. And this is just another one. Uh, that we kind of hit on. And it hit me this weekend. I went back and I like to read. Everyone knows that. But what people don't always understand is I like to reread when I can. So for the third straight year, I'm going to hit 100 books read this year. Um, That's a huge personal accomplishment for me. But I also like to go back and reread because the more I read, the more things layer on each other. And I start to get this idea from this coach. And then this idea connects to that. And then this coach puts it a better way, I feel like. And all of a sudden, you get these really strong themes that emerge. And I was reading The Score Takes Care of Itself again this weekend for like the eighth time in my life, probably. And I'm just going back. And everyone needs more Bill Walsh in their life, right? (laughs) 49ers are in the playoff picture. 
I was actually in San Francisco working with the 49ers when Walsh died. And I remember people, fans coming, showing up, like putting flowers all over the facility, like writing cards, making sure that they knew how much uh, he meant to them as fans and what he did for the city of San Francisco and the 49ers as an organization. And so if you have not read The Score Takes Care of Itself by Bill Walsh, it is an absolute must read. And not just from a football perspective, but anybody in any kind of organization. Mm-hmm. So any for, from just a management of an organization, I think every leader should have to read that book. And there's a phrase that stuck out to me this time around that didn't necessarily in the other seven times around. And it's what he calls a culture conscious. And I looked up what conscious means, because it's kind of like, do I think I know what conscious means, but I'm not sure. Let me find out the context. And again, the other seven times previously, I just kind of breezed right through it. I didn't highlight over it. So this time I made sure to get out my highlighter and, and make some notes. But conscious, according to the dictionary, is responsive to the environment. Mm. And how powerful is that for us as coaches? It's our environment. When we think about the R factor, we think about the 10-80-10, we think about the kind of leaders we're building on a daily basis. We run the environment. And that's where we've talked about the culture pot. We've talked about all these other things. And it's like, that's what consciousness is. It's a response to the environment. You know, I've never thought about it like that. And I guess it never, it it took you a lot to do because it took you eight times to kind of figure out that word. But when I start, when you said a response to our environment, how many times do we respond to what we've created our environment to be and it's not what we wanted, but yet, and I don't know where I'm going with this because it's, no. it's heavy, but it's almost like, I think a Mike Leach, when you said that you're the coaching or allowing it, what is your environment and have you defined your environment for your team, your program, your organization, your classroom, your whatever, your small group, have you defined that environment? And that's... It's a hard-hitting question as we finish out 2021 of what is our environment? Did we like the environment that we had in 2021? What are we creating for 2022? And then what you said is, is you're conscious about, are you doing anything to get it better? And I go back to three words you and I talked about, start, stop, continue. Yes. Uh, you know, and I think that's the context that Bill Walsh is looking at it from as well when he's writing about it. And in his notes, uh, basically, it's when we talk about culture and we talk about an organization and you talk about the environment, who's making decisions when you're not there? Wow. Are you rhetorical? Are you asking me? Exactly. No, I, I think I don't have an answer. <laughs> I don't either. I, so I think it is generally a little bit of rhetoric there, but um, I think we talk about the values. That's what we lean on. Right. And when we talk about the things that we stand for, that's what we lean on, but I can't be around forever. There's days where I need a sub because I either have to leave for a competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not very sick. I think I've taken one sick day in 10 years. Um, You know, I make a commitment to myself to being here at school, and I know a lot of our leaders do. And when you coach, you can't have days off. Um, You know, my family doesn't always understand, but when you're in a bowl game or when you're in the NFL playoffs, I'm sorry, there is no Christmas. You know, 
when you're getting ready for a college football Saturday, there is no Thanksgiving. You don't get those days off. So you miss out on things like that. So we're not always going to be around. Uh, But when we're not around, who's making decisions? Yeah, that's a great question. Because I think about Herbert and his situation. I mean, he's the head ball coach for the last eight years, and he goes off and he gets a kidney transplant during the season. What's the model of the team going to be like? You know, we have we have things in place for who's the head coach then and the coordinators and all the stuff that goes on with that. But that's a, it's a question that has he set the standard? Has he set the, the culture conscience of, hey, we are who we are, regardless of who's around. And I guess, like I said, I don't, I don't, I've never really thought about that. Yeah. And, and I think the, the converse is what happens. I mean, I know I've had conversations with other coaches and this one's from Nick, Nick Winkler. He's talked about, you know, Cole is your player, the culture. So like, if you take the word Cole and you turn it into Cole, like a kid's name and Cole is always going against Murphy. Murphy's law. So if you haven't taken the time to think about the consciousness, the direction that you're going and the values that you lean on, you're really leaving it up to Murphy to decide. Yeah. Well, I think it's like a spinning top. Like it's just, it just keeps going. There's no well, direction. And, and I think to Walsh's point, it will spin out of control unless everybody is on the exact same page. You know, and I think about how different coaching philosophies are and how different we are as humans. And our, it's our collective differences that make an organization great. It yeah. really is. It's really about the people and the talents that we have and the hidden talents that we have and what we bring to the table. But if Coach Davis isn't around, for example, whoever's in charge might have a totally different philosophy. That's right. So if you're just taking time off or if you're not able to be there, and we've had to go through it, I mean, you know, we had a whole COVID contingency plan for if Coach Tory gets COVID, then this is what happens. And right. and if, if these coaches get COVID, then this is how we go. This is how we move forward as an organization. So we have that defined. But if you haven't defined that, then you're really up to whatever the response of the people in your organization is going to be. Well, I want to go back to what you just said about the, the coaches and how there's so many different cultures in just college football. I mean, look at the differences, and you see so many high school coaches trying to model Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney. Um, I don't think anybody tried to model Ed Ogeron, except they say their their name, you know, their mascot name, Go Patriots or Go Tigers, or like O says, Go Tigers. But anyway, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, I mean, even Scott Frost at Nebraska, there's, there's this relationship piece. Am I going to be a hard ass? Am I going to be the player's coach? And you see Marcus Freeman who was on staff with Brian Kelly, two different styles. So Brian Kelly leaves. There's one side of the culture there. Marcus Freeman comes in, and everybody's seen that video on Twitter that's gone crazy of him when he walks in and the players, and they're jumping all over him, and you see his quote about him being a player's coach. I want to be called a player's coach. So there's two sides of the spectrum. I think it's important for our coaches to know that pick one. Just be one. Whatever you're going to be. And a lot of times it's like, oh, this team was successful. It's like, you know, in Delta State in the 2000, when they won the national championship, everybody wanted to go to double slot, run one midline, veer, 
was Georgia Tech and this and, and Georgia Southern. Well, then the air raid spread comes about and everybody wants to do this. And then you got, it's the next best flavor. Well, that's all offense is your culture has to remain consistent. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm thinking about this. I'm rereading Bill Walsh. And then also over the weekend, I started a book. And again, this is my 100th book of 2021. Wait, I which one was 100? Bill Walsh or the, this one? I, I don't call, I don't count Bill Walsh because I've already read it. Okay. So that's just <laughs> supplemental. Gotcha. So this book, number 100 on the year. And again, I've reached out to the reading community and asked, like, do you guys do that? Do you count books that you've reread because it's more time, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I've landed on the fact that if it's not new, then I don't count it. Right. Um, but the book that I'm reading is A Football Life, and it's about Bill Snyder at Kansas State. Mm. And it's the best book out of the 100 I've read in 2021. And I've read some really good ones. This one's the best. I can't put it down. And for those of you that maybe aren't familiar with Bill Snyder, he inherited the worst Division One football team on the planet, you know, um, in the late 80s and he put them on the map and he really built a brand and he did it through a lot of different ways but the biggest thing that he did right away was he defined what they call 16 wildcat goals for success there are 16 values and i'll put it out on uh, on social media later but commitment unselfishness unity improve every day be tough self-discipline, great effort, enthusiasm, eliminate mistakes, never give up, don't accept losing, no self-limitations, expect to win and truly believe that we will, consistency, leadership, and responsibility. Those were the 16 things that he defined and he said, this is what we're gonna stand for at K-State. Uh, and, and then he started to get buy-in. The other interesting part of this was none of those things have to do with football. Hmm. Every one of them he writes in his book that he got from his mom. His mom was the one who instilled those values in him. And so now he's going to look at it as the steward of the football program of how he can take those values and instill them into his players, into potential prospects or recruits or young people so that they can be recruited as a boy, but leave the program as a man. And that's ultimately what yeah. we want, right? Say that again. That's ultimately what we want. You want you to come into your program as a boy, leave as a man. Don't, you don't ever want to stay the same. So I'm interested to hear about this book. Yeah. If, if you don't want that, I, I don't think that you listen to our podcast. Right. You know, and um, I mean, substitute for our female listeners. I mean, it's not just about boys and the men. It's also about girls and the women. It's, it's really about children into adults. Right. And, and not just adults, but responsible adults who do the right thing, who have a great culture conscious who need a structure to live their life. Productive citizens, right? Ways. Productive we'll citizens. Say that again. Just productive citizens. Productive citizens, 100%. There, there you go. <laughs> um, there's a lot of different ways that he started to do this at K-State. And you can read the whole book. It's phenomenal. Um, mine is dog-eared and, and markered up and, and all kinds of stuff because that's how I treat books um, because it's something that I want to do. He started every practice with a test. And all the test was, was a blank piece of paper with one to 16 written on it. And you either got 16 out of 16 by writing all the values down in order, or you didn't. And if you didn't, no problem. We're going to retest the next day. So there's accountability there yes. uh, for at least knowing those 16 things and then making sure that they're in order. He also put it on a little laminated card 
that players were expected to carry in their wallet anytime they weren't on the football field. So if I'm at a, uh, if it's an April night and I'm at a bar in Aggieville, if you've ever been to Manhattan, Kansas, it's, it's kind of a fun place to be after a game, before a game, if you're a college student, it's kind of where they all hang out. Like, and, and you know, it's Saturday night and I'm having a good time. I have to remember that that's in my wallet, you know, that those 16 values, I'm going to do everything that I can to not breach any of those values because that's what I committed to when I went to play at K-State if I was a player for Bill Snyder. So again, that's the culture conscious. Are you making the right decisions? Are you doing what the program expects you to even when you're not there? Yeah, and I think, I think the age-old question is, are you doing the right things when nobody's looking? You know, we've heard that before, and you've heard that probably from when you were in junior high athletics or in a classroom. Are you do, or you're from your parents? Are you doing the right thing even when nobody's looking, right? And and I think that's a valuable piece from Snyder that it's in your wallet. So you're saying you're at a bar. If you pull out and have to pay a tab, it's it's right there. <laughs> so it's in your face, literally. So he has set the program goals to be literally with you all the time. And you know, John Perry, they did the coin. I think he did a coin when he was at Pearl. Same type of deal. Are you living those values that are inside our program? That's a genius idea. Yeah, and again, it costs you nothing, right? A piece mm-hmm. of paper with 16 things written on it uh, that you know anyway, that we teach you anyway, and then the expectation is you're just going to carry this all the time. So, I mean, I've got my phone, and I love it. I don't carry a wallet anymore because the back of my phone has my credit card, has my ID. Just do that. Like, get one of those cases for everybody. There you go. And then here's what you're going to put inside that case mm-hmm. uh, along with your credit card or your ID or whatever else. So I love that. It goes back to that's the consciousness that we're trying to get to. That's the culture that I'm instilling. That's how we're going to take K-State from the worst program in the country to a top five perennial power. Mm-hmm. Now, the next piece, I think, is where I got a lot of reaction from around the country. Okay, <laughs> a, lo- a, like, a lot? A lot? <laughs> a ton? <laughs> Three quarters of a million people at this point and counting and it's kind of going viral. And that's the power of social media. But once you define your program, and this is where the pot is so important when you're getting started, is now there has to be an accountability piece. Mm -hmm. And you can't do it in today's world, but life was different in the late 80s, early 90s, even in the 2000s. Um, I think the NCAA finally put a kibosh to this in about 2019. But the accountability for Bill Snyder was if you lost your playbook, if you skipped class, if you missed practice, excused or unexcused, didn't matter, if you breached any one of the 16 values that you were accountable for, then no problem. Show up at football facility the next day, 6 a.m., and you had eight, eight, eight. Eight stadium runs, uh, eight stadium stair runs, 800 yards of up-downs. So for those of you that have not been around college football, I was not prepared for that. Like some people were literally replying going, Coach Torrey, how do you do 800 yards of up-downs? That's got to be a typo. Mm -hmm. It's you start on the goal line, you sprint five yards, drop, do an up-down, go to the 10, (laughs) drop, do an up-down, go to the 15, 800 yards worth of that. And then the third piece was eight times around the field. So for those of you that don't know, Uh, It's about 300 yards all the way around one field. So just about two miles on a track uh, for those of you that need some kind of um, some kind of visual or reference or or way to measure that. And all that in one sitting, 
Um, and it was great watching the responses come in because people were like, my legs are shaking just reading this. <laughs> they called him what? PIs, right? And he goes, man, yeah. I never, I missed one practice, never missed again. Uh, yeah, so PIs, because to Bill Snyder, this was the price of irresponsibility. Yeah, that's stolen, so that's by the way. Come, that's stolen. That's where it comes down to. Yeah, uh, and then so as the tweets kind of going around and it, and you could find it on my timeline it's probably not real hard I've, I've kind of boosted some engagement along the way too and anyone who replies to anything that that i do uh i always try to reply back just as a way to keep that conversation going um but i was not prepared for former players mm -hmm. to pile on to the conversation so not only am I just reading this in a book, I just throw it out on social media, it kind of goes how it goes, but now people are saying, oh man, like I remember these. And the great part about Bill Snyder was, and this is, this is not in the book, this is from players' perspectives that responded to the tweet, this happened on game day. So guys would do this on game day before games, and it goes back to best is the standard. Yes. If this is what's best for a kid when they don't live by the values, then it doesn't matter if it's in April and we're preparing for spring ball or if it's on Saturday and we've got number two Nebraska coming to town. We're going to do this because it's best for you as a human and it's a PI. It's the price of your responsibility. Yeah, that's so major. Um, when you're saying that, and I had one instance, and I'll share a personal story real quick, when I played college ball. I was the editor of the school newspaper in my final year. So I was a fifth year senior, had a medical red shirt, blah, 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 blah. And I was a team captain. And I was like, I got to put the paper out. Like, I got to put the paper out. And this was a Tuesday afternoon. And then Tuesday was like our big specialty day. We had the specialty period. And I was like, I'll be fine. I'll make it. If I miss the first part of practice, that's where I was wrong. I thought I could miss the first part of practice as a team captain. I've been elected a team captain. I gotta, I gotta go do the school thing, but then football, mm -mm. they have to coexist. So here I go. I'm sprinting to the practice field. Uh, I get the the paper sent to where we go and get it printed. I come out, and I we start specialty, and I'm like three periods late. And Coach Rhodes, Rick Rhodes, comes up to me and he pats me on the shoulder and he goes, see me after practice. <laughs> Doesn't say anything else. So for the next 20-something periods, I'm like, what do I have to do? What is going on? And we didn't, we, didn't, we didn't stay outside after the practice. He brought me to the baseball indoor facility, turned the heat on, and said, hey, I want you to start bear crawling. I said, how many? He says, it's the worst thing you could ask. Just start bear crawling. So here I am, team captain. Broke a rule, missed practice, right? Not the whole practice, but missed being on time. When I tell you my quads were burning, my lower back burning. Then he goes, you feel good? And I'm paraphrasing because this was back in 2001, two, uh, 2002, yeah. Uh, and he goes, time to go outside. Yes, sir. <laughs> and here I am, like my legs are shot. My back is shot. Like I'm walking like I'm 80 years old. You know how they walk, like your lower back is just pain. He goes, I want you to go cut four laps around the football field. 
I said, on the, tur- on the grass? He goes, uh-uh, around the stadium. I said, in my mind, I was like, excuse me? Knowing mm-hmm. that in the summer, I ate pizza with this guy in his office. We talked about The Three Amigos, which was his favorite movie. And I was like, had this thing of, I can do what I want to do. And that's where I was wrong. And I think that's where players go. Sometimes they think they're above the program. Well, that's where I was as, as a fifth-year senior. I thought I was above the program. Man, was I wrong. So the price of irresponsibility for me on my part and not meeting the program standards was thinking I could do whatever I want to do. Well, there's a price for that, and that's what Bill Snyder did. But I, when, when you were talking about that and I was reading that, I was like, my goodness, that brought me back to Delta State. Yeah, it, and you know what? Like you, you think about what what's going to change the boy to become a man. What's going to change the irresponsible person to become a responsible citizen? That's it. You have to have that memory of oh man, I, I'm going to go back in my mind 20 years because it's still that fresh. You know, it's still that meaningful. I remember my roommate in college. So we're on the team, and we're, and you know everything's great and super athlete, horrible disciplinarian. Horrible. He dropped out after five years. So like I got my degree and I graduated in December because we all want to stick around and, and coach and play one more, one more year. And so I get my degree in December. He's got to go till May. I make a deal with him. I'll be like, Hey, I'll be back in May to walk with you in graduation. You know, both of us will have our sheepskins then and, and we're going to do it. I get back in May and he didn't do it. He didn't follow through on his, uh, on his expectation, you know, so I can't imagine going somewhere for five years. He does really well now. He's still my best friend, best man in his wedding. He's the best man in mine. Um, so it didn't change our relationship. But I remember he got a conduct issue when we were like juniors. And just out, and I went to a small town in Nebraska. So like dirt roads, a little bit of bush light, you know, just kind of kids being kids, you know, 22 years old, but you think you own the world. Right. And made a, made a really poor decision. And as a result, he had to do 200 yards of up-downs. And I remember watching him after practice do those 200 yards, and you're like, oh, man, I can't even imagine what 800 yards looks like. And then 800 yards as one-third of what the whole punishment is or what the whole accountability system is. Hey, have you ever Um, had to roll a field? Have you ever had to roll the field? uh, We had to do it a little bit, but it was not as a punishment. But reading some of these players – you know, some of them had to do that instead or as part of this. Um, and I don't necessarily know where they drew the line, where Bill Snyder said, this is this punishment and this is this accountability form. But, yeah, I mean, when one player, you know, he tweets back and he says, I had to roll the field, and I think he had 400 yards of rolls. And he goes, I didn't I, – I wasn't balanced for like a week. Yeah. I think, I think we had <clears> – <throat> we had two or three when I played at Heinz that had to do that. There also was a thing called Burma Road that they, I don't think that happens anymore, but we were freshmen and sophomore at Heinz. And if you miss curfew, if you skip curfew, you skip breakfast check. And if you, um, if you're late for class or tardy for class or just being irresponsible, you had to run Burma Road. And what they did is they took you three miles off campus to Burma Road. The coach dropped you off and then he would go like you would have his taillights to follow and you would run back to campus and you had to be back before breakfast check. <laughs> Talk about a PI, right? <laughs> I feel like everybody who's our age or older has a story like that. There's, you know, we don't have a Burma road where I went to school, but we've got other things, right? right. So 
Like, you know the designated, oh, this is where we hold people accountable spot. <laughs> I never ran Burma Road. I made sure that I didn't get on, <laughs> that I did not go Burma Road. Because all of our linemen would come back and they're like, you'd see, like, we'd be eating breakfast and you'd see them walk in um, with Coach Dillon and we're looking like, yep, that's the Burma Road crew. <laughs> I mean, it was awful. So, what it, it's funny you mentioned a lot of those stories because. Again, former players who played for Bill Snyder, who think of him as an exceptional human being and a father figure, they all kind of say the same things. Um, one of them said the worst thing that you could hear from Bill Snyder in season was, see you tomorrow morning. <laughs> and again, you're culture conscious. No other words are necessary. You nope. know what's coming. Nope. Um, one Another player reached out, and they talked about how in the facility – everyone had their name on this board. And so like, if you had some PIs, your name would be on the board along with how many PIs you had Well, this player. He, he kind of says, he goes, I, I messed up really bad what we could. <laughs> and he kind of leaves it at that. So you can draw your own conclusion about what he did or what happened. But next to his name on Monday, when he walked into the facility was the word infinity. <laughs> oh, you know, but but it's impactful because you make the mistake once, and that's where I always tell people I coach middle school, teach middle school because I'm in the second chance business. Right. I expect kids to mess up. I expect kids to fall short of my expectations and my values. But that doesn't mean that they get away with it. Right. So second chance means exactly that. To me, PI and the culture consciousness is your second chance, your chance at redemption your chance to say, I acknowledge that you're going to mess up because you're young, but this is not going to continue to happen. Right. It's a, it's a fix, you know? And I, I think a lot of times as coaches, we want our kids, we, we expect our kids to be perfect and forget that it's called practice for a reason. So I'm going, <clears throat> I'm going off of, you know, you want perfect plays and all this and but they're going to mess up and they're going to mess up in life. They're going to mess up in football practice. They're going to mess up in the classroom. They're going to fail a test. Right. But like you said, there's a second chance to that. It's not the end all be all. And Snyder did a, an amazing job of setting that example for his players. Not only that, Hey, football is important at K-State and we're, that's why you're here is to play football, but your ultimate goal is to leave here better than when you got here. And uh, what an amazing story. And I, I hope our listeners have, had some fun with this as much as we've had. Just listen to the tweets from the from the former players. And and I know this kind of message isn't going to be popular with everybody, right? right? Like if you don't if you don't want to conform to those rules, go to the other 116 Division One universities. Don't go to K State, right? Yeah. Like people were like, well, that's why the transfer portal is. And you're going to get some of that with fan reaction, and maybe that's true. But you know what? That person who's sending that one, they never played college football. And then two, they also didn't sit in the living room of that family and promise mom and dad that your son is going to go to class, that your son is going to do all these things before they see the field, that football is going to be second to the university itself. Right. And so, again, I always lean on the Mike Leach quote of you're coaching it or allowing it to happen. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's culture conscious. Yeah. And, and I want to finish with this with you is – you alluded to the transfer portal and kids don't like to abide by these rules. And you see the portal has like some crazy number of like 1300 kids in it right now. Here's the thing. If they don't like the culture of that school or the culture of another school, it's a them problem. 
not a school problem. So wherever that problem is, they're taking it with them until they want it fixed, until their culture conscience is fixed itself and aligned with program standards. So, man, great topic today. No, it's great. For our coaches and our listeners out there, if you've had some uh, per- personal firsthand experience with PIs, don't hesitate to, to share your story too because it's fun watching the reactions roll in across the country. I even had one person post, they're like, uh, I'm here just for the PIs. Like, I'm part of this conversation <laughs> just to hear more stories about PIs. So I feel like we have those and there's some great ones out there. The other thing is with, with PIs and culture consciousness, one example can change 100 players' behavior. Yeah. I think it's also watching been said, go ahead, go ahead. Watching it one time is enough to change the entire team's accountability. Yeah, and also think about PIs, is, this is a famous quote, and I don't know who said it, but you're one decision away from a different kind of life. And if that PI can help you stay on the right track, so be it. I'll do a PI all day. I'll get kids to do PIs all day if it keeps them on the right track to be successful human beings. That's been another episode of The Culture Classroom. JT, uh, an amazing episode today. Uh, Listeners, I hope you dive into this one. Uh, We've had three other ones that we've released. And stay tuned for more content as we get deeper into 2022 with a special, uh, special podcast coming out pretty soon, just reflecting on the, the, the three years, dude. Three years, 2019. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening to The Culture Classroom. Culture Classroom is sponsored by Pro Quick Draw, the dynamic playbook solution for modern coaches. Let technology work for you with time-saving features to eliminate the busy work so you can spend more time coaching. Our subscription comes with starter templates, stencils, and plays for you to begin building your 2022 playbook quickly. Give us a try for 30 days and keep all the templates you make during your trial. That's Pro Quick Draw.